Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. Happy Thursday, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Gina Shaw. Gina and her husband, Dan, have been married for 21 years and live in Chaska, which is a southwest suburb of Minneapolis. They have two sons, 18-year-old Carter and 16-year-old Casey. Gina holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Medical Laboratory Science and works for a large healthcare system in the Twin Cities. As she says, lab people are known for their type A personalities, which she believes has been one of her biggest assets to raising a special needs child. Organization is key, as is her love of research and analyzing that research. Gina's son Carter was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at age two and a half, which is his only formal diagnosis, but she said he also deals with ADHD, sensory processing disorder, and absent seizures, with a sprinkle of anxiety and mild OCD thrown in there too. Her son Casey is a typical 16-year-old who loves science and math, is a cross-country and track athlete, and holds a part-time job. Gina and Dan have worked opposite shifts throughout most of their kids' lives, as they were never able to put Carter in traditional daycare. Although they each processed Carter's diagnosis differently and went through some hard times, Gina considers herself blessed to have a husband who is very involved and is always there for both of his boys. Through it all, she's proud of the incredibly close family unit that they have built. So please enjoy my conversation with Gina as we talk about adult services, group homes, and everything in between. Welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Gina Shaw from Minnesota. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We Excited met, yeah, like, oh gosh. I mean, I want to say it was a couple of years ago now. A couple of years time ago, flies, I yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on a, on a Zoom for parents with older, we call them older, and they were, you know, like 13 at least and older um, kids on the spectrum, just so we could all right. share ideas and commiserate with one right. another about the, the second stage, as I call it. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about Carter and he is 18. So as I say, with pretty much every guest that has an adult aged child um, on the spectrum, we don't have to go all the way back unless you want to um, just kind of unpack for us his diagnosis, um, you know, kind of how old he was and what made you with, was it the traditional kind of autism signs that made you seek out a diagnosis for him? Um, or was it something different? Okay. So yeah, he was, um, officially diagnosed at two and a half. We, um, after he was born, our County had this program. Um, they called us, we didn't even know about it. They called us and asked if we wanted to 
participate in this voluntary program, which was a follow along program, I think it was called. So every four months, they would send you out a questionnaire that you would fill out about your child's development, send it back. And then if they saw any flags or anything, they would um, talk to you about it. Huh. So in the, so we were like, yeah, sure. First time parents. I mean, I felt like I knew kids, but you know, I was older mom, but so we did it in the first year he hit all the milestones we didn't see anything the first year i mean he slept well ate well like no he babbled he smiled you know all that kind of stuff um it was about the 16 month questionnaire he kind of fell to the he had like a low score on that um and they said well we'll just watch it you know we'll see where he is at 20 months and um at 20 months he had fallen off the chart or whatever they bottom of the scale so then um they kind of intervened with the, the early intervention probably through the district um sent out some therapists worked with him a little bit trying to see what was going on his language was delayed um and either that went on for a few months a couple times a week somebody would come out work with him we try things and you know, they weren't bringing up autism. So I thought, well, it's not autism, you know, but mm -hmm. I think I kind of had a feeling it might be something like that. And I don't know that they can actually say that, but one did say, well, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, autism could be a, 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 something going on here. So that led us to get the appointment with the developmental pediatrician, which um, that would have been in 2006. Mm -hmm. That we made the appointment it was a six-month wait which really nowadays doesn't seem that long yeah that is pretty short <laughs> so um saw him and um from that very first visit he we had to do a follow-up visit and questionnaires you know all that kind of stuff but he did kind of mention like yeah he thought it was autism and and I don't know if it was just I kind of was planning for that or whatever I didn't I don't remember having much of a reaction to that. I just was like, okay, well now this, what do we do? So, you know, a month later we go back at the formal written diagnosis, whatever. And then, you know, he, I actually went back and read through it. I haven't read it in forever. I still have mm -hmm. the original paperwork, but it was kind of interesting to read back because it doesn't really bother me anymore. And I, there was just stuff I forgot about, but he did send us, um, you know, with, uh, recommendations for speech and OT and early intervention and um, even county co contacting our county to get um, some kind of a case management. You know, at the mm -hmm. time I didn't know what we were doing, but I'm like, right. okay, you know, so, um, so that's what we did. He, he went to, um, they got him in, in an early preschool. He went half days for a while. Then we were living in the the other part of the day was at private speech private <laughs> ot um, by this time i had my second son so he was basically growing up in the waiting rooms of these places you know you pack a lunch you pack the toys and you go and you sit for a couple hours a day because you're not allowed to leave and so we did that um he started with um his you know his language never came we started with some sign language really hard for him fine motors hard you know mm -hmm. so he could Attitude. do a, a few of the uh major signs like he could do more milk all done 
were kind of the ones that he did the most. Um, in school, he had um, preschool, then he went to kindergarten and first grade in public school. They tried to work with the pecs, did not go well for him. Um, and then that was before the iPads, you know, so once um, the iPad came out and we got the Proloquo and then that's been working for him and that's what he's been using since for communication. Mm -hmm. So um, when he was in kindergarten, we noted, I'm like, this public school is not going to be a good fit. We were, um, you know, given a list of places to apply for, for other therapies. I didn't know what all these were, but I just applied for everything out there because I heard about waiting lists. And then um, after his first grade, at the end of his first grade year, they called um, the Minnesota Autism Center is where he ended up going to do some ABA. And so then that's when we pulled him that summer. And then that fall, he started at the Autism Center. And that was and how old? How old was he? He was uh, seven. Gosh, he and Skylar literally have had the exact same path of everything. Yeah. We left the public school system at seven too and strict ABA from then on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard decision to make, but um, at the time is what he needed. He did mm -hmm. great. Um, and it was full-time year round, which was yep. something so else that benefit, <laughs> benefited a him a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, did the school system just not have, um, for us, it was just, there were way too many kids and very little aids. Um, they're just, he needed, especially cause he wasn't totally trained still isn't. And, um, he always needs one-on-one -on -one because he yep. cannot be left alone for even a second. He doesn't entertain nope. himself in any way. So. Nope. The same with Carter. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he did have one-to-one -one aids in kindergarten and first grade. Um, they were wonderful. One actually, we found out lived in our neighborhood. You know, we could, oh. um, she'd come by, see him over the summer and stuff. But um, they just didn't. Yeah, I mean, he in kindergarten. I knew, I knew in kindergarten, like that's when you really saw, like, oh wow, he's really different than all the other kids. And then first grade was just we were there because we didn't have anywhere else for him to go. He was in a classroom, you know, for the music and the art and the gym and all that. And then he was in, he pulled out for the academic stuff, which he worked pretty much with just the para. And like I said, she was fabulous, but they had one special ed teacher for like 14 kids. So he spent, you know, like half an hour with her a day, if that, you know, um, but he, uh, um, you know, he did, they did, I mean, he did make a little bit of progress. I mean, he was with, um, kids which is what I was really I was just so mm -hmm. worried about that social part so pulling, yeah. you know when we did pull him I was really worried about that but but yeah it was just it just didn't have enough for him he really needed a plan of his own like more mm -hmm. than just what the school could do so. yeah very specific to yeah. him did he did he take to ABA? Was it mainly ABA at his autism center yeah. or was it other things? It so was ABA. Did he do well with that? Because it's with Skylar. I mean, I think he's done okay with it. Um, He wasn't a fan of PECs either. And that initially with the ABA that we started, um, that yeah. was a huge part of it. It was like, you know, match this pencil to this picture of a pencil, this actual pencil or this yeah. actual apple. And um, I, I think he kind of got it. But part of me now looks back and I think he was bored. 
because yes. now that he's spelled yes. and I know how intelligent he is, which I didn't really yep. know that either. I feel like he didn't take to it because he was like, this is stupid. And I've always said on numerous episodes that the whole idea of giving him two choices or three choices at the most, and it was usually reinforcers were food because that's the only thing we could figure out that he liked. He didn't Same. want those. So he wouldn't pick any. And they were like, oh, you have to, you know, you need to pick one of these. And he's like, I don't freaking want one of these. And so right. he was considered failing those goals. But he, I mean, it just, it, it makes me so frustrated because I know how smart he is. Yes. So I'm sure you had a similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, looking back at it. Yeah. I mean, he was, I, it's hard to remember those first days. I mean, he did well. I mean, he had fun going. He's mm-hmm. always been a social kid. He likes going places and doing things. And well, that's nice. So that was never a problem, which, yeah, that was great. But like, I mean, some things he'd do okay with, and then other things he was, you know, when I look back, he's he's a stubborn kid too. And he's <laughs> just like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to uh-huh. do this. And yeah, I think he just wasn't challenged enough to, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Did he ever have behaviors um, that you would characterize as, you know, just really not not the best things like did he ever hit or did he ever bite or um his when he was younger yeah I mean obviously there was um eloping a lot but yeah hair pulling was his thing oh my gosh the hair pulling Uh and pinching like he would pinch not really um we didn't see really any aggressive behaviors until puberty teenage years you know oh, anymore really? okay. I mean hair pulling and pinching yeah that's aggression but not you know other um more grabbing and you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing um and, and sometimes the hair pulling was for attention mm-hmm. sometimes it was frustration and sometimes it was like he knew he could get your on a reaction and it was a he was playing he was happy and he'd come up and yank my hair and I so mad mm-hmm. it would hurt you know and and you're trying not to react you're told not to react you're told that oh, that's all this stuff and it's like you know how am I going to teach him not to pull hair so yeah um and so that happened um I don't I mean I know he had a few incidences at school I mean I know he did I don't remember specifics but um yeah. And he's just antsy. You know, that, mm-hmm. that was another thing. We didn't start any kind of medications till later. And looking back, I think if we could have helped him focus and sit, I mean, he's never been, his only formal diagnosis is autism, but you know, he's got the ADHD mm-hmm. sensory processing, you know, uh, anxiety and, and uh, you know, as a teen, he was diagnosed with absence seizures. So you know, he's got a whole mm-hmm. s- spectrum of diagnosis, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but had I known earlier, um, maybe that would have helped him in the school setting too, because he just didn't want to sit, you know, he wanted to play, he wanted to, he needed that movement. And, but again, that was back when the internet was young, Faith, there wasn't no Facebook didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, there wasn't the connections that I have today. I didn't know any of this stuff, you know, like, um and it doesn't you know, always work for everybody you yeah. know we Scott's been on medication since he was little and um because they I feel like everyone gets diagnosed that's on the spectrum with ADD or ADHD mm-hmm. because their body controls them yeah. and so Skyler never sits down ever 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 yeah. he's 
hundred percent on the move all the time. And so they characterize that as ADHD. So he's been on, you know, risperidone and Intuniv and like all these things to try to calm him down. It doesn't really make him sit though. Um, So I don't know if he needs those, but when we've tried to wean them off, he's like 10 times worse. So I guess they are helping. Right. It's just, medicine is such a hard road to travel because you just never know. And it takes so long for them to To work or not work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, you know, we, we did, um, started guanfacine for his ADHD and mm-hmm. hyperactivity and impulse. Oh, he was so impulsive. He would just throw things like randomly, yeah. you know, it's like, um, we have headphones all over the city and places we couldn't retrieve them. Cause he would just like take them off his head and whip them for some reason. And I'm like, you need those, you know, like, what are you doing? It's like Hansel and Gretel. He was just leaving him path for himself yeah. to come back. <laughs> so, and, um, but, and that helped, but it helped his body, but it didn't help settle his brain. I don't think right. his brain still goes faster than, yeah. and, and truthfully mine does, my other son does. I mean, you know, but yeah, I just um, want to crawl in there and see what it is that yeah. they're feeling. I would give yeah. anything to know what scatter feels on a day-to-day oh, basis. I know. I know. It's been explained That's to me before that they're like, like uh, one of the Dan doctors that we went to when he was really little was explaining like the casein gluten, you know, uh-huh. phenomenon or whatever. And just that they kind of feel like they're walking around, like when we're in a drunken state, um, right. too much alcohol and just how your brain is clouded and you just can't really make sense of things. He's like, imagine eating, you know, excessive amounts of gluten or whatever. And that's how you feel all day long. You're just kind of like, you know, in a drunken state. And I'm like, right. oh, that's a terrible analogy. Like now I feel bad. Yeah, I know. But, uh, and, and, the and diet did- didn't really help him though. Yeah. You know, we did, we did that too. Um, the thing that it did help, I think with Carter was he did have digestive issues when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And I think removing that and just cleaning up his diet just helped us with the potty training and the sleeping How that, you know, that kind of all fell into place a little quicker, I think with that. And then we just kept him on that diet for, because we were dealing with so many other things. I was afraid to add it back in. Cause I'm like, yeah. I can't handle if something else happens, we have to go backwards again and then remove it again. Um, now he's, he eats a normal diet. You know, mm-hmm. the only thing we really avoid if at all possible is artificial dyes and artificial sweeteners, because those will send him off just bouncy, crazy, like, you know, but other than that, he's done, he's tolerated as he's gotten older, we slowly added gluten and dairy back and he's been tolerating that fine now. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we made it, we did that mainly because we saw digestive problems early on. So mm-hmm. that's another commonality. I feel like yep. we all <laughs> kind yep. of have to deal with some extreme, some like just a little <sighs> bit. So now that he's 18, what is his communication like? Is he pretty fluent on Proloquo or he's, he could definitely, um, it's, it's still hard. He can request anything. Like he can request food. He can request what he wants to do. He has, if he wants to go to, you know, if we're out in public, he needs to do the bathroom. He can request that. Um, he still has a problem with like feelings. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Or if something hurts, you know, that type of stuff is so hard to teach. And we've gone about it so many different ways, you know, and um, I I don't know, like it's, 
his school, you know, he's in a new new program now, and they've been um, working a lot more with him on different things. So some, I'm hoping like just a change up of things. They're working on um, greetings and and he's he's like learning people by greeting them on his iPad, which he did before, but um, it definitely um, it, it, he can get his basic needs across. That's fantastic. But that's yeah. what you ultimately yeah. hope for is that at least he understands that yeah. and he doesn't elope anymore. Like he doesn't have the tendency to wander off or does he? Not like he used to. I mean, that's I good. wouldn't, I, I would never say he would never do it, but you know, not like he would, he was young he and he was fast. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, as he got older. He does. He didn't. Yeah. That's kind of gone away. So, well, so tell me a little bit about, um, I know that you, you posted on your Facebook page and explained a little bit about his group home that he is in now and just kind of the, the whirlwind and backwards way that that kind of all <laughs> happened. Um, but a yeah. lot of parents ask me, cause Skylar's an adult too. Like, have I, have I thought about group homes? Have I thought about residential living? Like, you know, what are the options? What are the day program options? What is his schooling like? So can you kind of explain yeah. how the group home came to be and then why and all of that? <laughs> yeah. So, so we, um, so when, you know, when Carter was young, when they're little, you you never think you're going to put them in a group home. You're like, well, mm-hmm. they're just going to live with us. For, we'll just take care of them. And when he got to be around, you know, 12, 13, I, you know, I was always looking forward to uh, reading, trying to read from those ahead of us, right? The mm-hmm. older kids. And I was, especially the ones who were nonverbal, you know, who, who, who could, but were able to type out their feelings or whatever. And they would talk about how, you know, they could express their feelings and how they didn't want to live at home with their parents all the right. time. They wanted to be with their peers. They knew that, you know, their limitations, but they, they didn't, you know, wanted to just be home. And, and so that kind of opened my mind to it. Like, oh, well, I'm just thinking of my side. I guess I wasn't thinking of his side, but that was still, he was young, you know? And I thought, well, maybe when he's in his mid twenties or something like that, you know? Well then, um, let's just say a combination of his um, behaviors Mm-hmm. good and bad I mean um his the lack of help base is the, the huge one I mean we were lucky to have a PCA until he was about 12 or 13 and um, what's PCA is that like um, respite personal care assistant okay so we would have somebody so early on you know we were able to get a he qualified for a disability developmental disability waiver in our mm-hmm. state so that what you know gave us the um the means to hire a PCA to help us with, you know, care for him. Um, because he's been, he's needed a one-on-one his whole life. And I mm-hmm. had another child too, you know? And, and um, so anyway, she worked, she's actually a, a really good friend of mine who, uh, that's another long story, but she got, was laid off the time we had all these PCA hours. She started PCAing for us and yep. um, was helped us this whole, that whole time until he got to the point where he was getting too big, strong, um, for her to, to handle safely. And again, not just in negative ways, but just right. keeping him safe. So that, so the whole, his whole teenage years, it's basically pretty much been me and my husband 
Mm-hmm. And we work opposite jobs and or opposite hours and trying to manage, you know, all this stuff. And then, and then there was the pandemic and that messed everything up. I mean, you know, I don't have to explain that, but his schooling got messed up. His, um, there was no, I mean, mo- less help than there even was before Mm -hmm. there was nowhere to go we were getting burnt out Mm -hmm. and that's when his other behavior started increasing as far as more aggression he didn't like he didn't want to be home all the time yeah he didn't want he like I said he's stubborn he knows what he wants he wants to go he wants to do this um it was just that my husband quit his work for a year and a half because I I'm lucky enough that I have this job that I have really good health benefits. So I kept working because I had all of that. Um, and I was able to use FMLA time when I needed mm-hmm. so I could get my time off. We made it work. Um, we eventually found, by word of mouth from another mom, I know, a, a like a short-term respite. So it was like, a, he would go, Carter would go to this respite house like, three or four nights in a row, like every five weeks or so. That's how much we had in our waiver to pay for it. It's like $600 a night. So you could, you know, was um, it another family that like, no, it was through models. It was through a company or that organization that has different respite houses. Okay. Um, and so he went to one of those for about a year so like every five, you know, like I said, about every five months, he would go there for like three, four nights and he did great. He was having a great time. We had a little bit of a break. We basically slept the whole time. Um, he was gone, maybe go to a movie, do something, go out to eat. Um, and it just, then that respite went away because of staffing. They had to move <laughs> the staffing from the short-term respites to the long-term like crisis respites, they right. called it. And so we were again left with nothing. And we were, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. We were just, we just didn't have anything left. We were on eggshells all the time. Yeah. Having to have his needs met all the time. Is there going to be school today? His school was not back to five days a week. It was three days. Then it would be four days this week. And this, you know, it was just like, and then, oh, they're sick. Always they have to stay and, home. And yeah. it was just like, yeah. it was horrible. And Plus so you got a small taste of like, just kind of being able to spend time with your, with Casey, your other son right. and your husband and, and then yep. shoot, you know, like, I mean, it kind of gave you a little bit of a picture yeah. of the future. So then th- we were trying to, um, behaviors were just getting hard. Like again, the stubbornness and he would want to eat all the time. And I'm like, he can't eat all the time. He gained some weight. Um, we were it was it's just a lot it's just a blur I know (laughs) it's a lot and so we were working with our county worker our social worker and we're like you have to find us some more respite we need some help like we can't keep this up and he was kind of like he had been doing this long time and he had clients in group homes and he had younger clients but he never had a situation like ours which I felt was like oh great we're we're that family you know like the you know like how could you not have come across a situation like ours before? There's got to be other families out there like us looking for this help. 
and we had to push him and push him. And I wrote emails and called him. And he was a nice guy and he was helping. He was trying to, he emailed me back. I tried looking into this. I've talked to this person, whatever. Finally, he's like, I don't know why we had to push so hard for him to finally say, okay, do you want me to put you on like a crisis respite um, list? And I'm like, yes. Like, why didn't you do this like months ago, you know? And, um, and I, I mean, it, it felt horrible to say, like, I hate this, I hate the word crisis, but we were, Mm -hmm. we were in crisis. Was he, um, sorry to interrupt you. Was he saying that, like, is he more used to emergency placement situations, like where a kid is like punching walls and destroying things and they have to emergency get them out of the house or crisis intervention type of thing. And you guys were like, you know, you're handling it. You're fine. Nobody's right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and you know, that's crazy. And it's like, you know, we were having some issues. I mean, Carter was, you know, um, he could get physical and he Mm -hmm. would throw things and, and we've we've got holes in the wall that we need Mm -hmm. to patch up and, you know, um, it's, it, I just, I still like, I could go that that's into that more, but anyway. I'm sure it's traumatizing. So, so yeah, he's on the it list. Is, it is. How long was list. that list? And he said, and he told us, it's not like you're at the bottom of the list. It goes by um, need or it goes by, they, you know, so, okay. So then it, while we're waiting, they're like, well, we could send a behavioral specialist to your house to observe blah, blah, blah. And we're like, that's not going to do anything, but we did it only because we figured we had to do everything yeah. to get, you know, what we wanted. So they had a guy come out and we talked with him and he's like giving us all these things to do. And I'm like, yep, yeah, done it. We've done that. We've done that. Like we've been working with behavioral specialists for 10 years. Like we know what to do, you know? And he just had us, you know, he's like, well, send me updates or pictures. I want to go see him at school. I want to do this. And it's like nothing was happening. And my husband just like every day he'd be texting him, calling him, sending him videos. Like we just had to pound this guy with yeah. like information and like, like get in his face. And then finally we got a call like, okay, we have a place for Carter. And I, I, I'm still like probably more upset about that than anything. Like we had to get to that point to just get any kind of help. And, um, so, um, the, from the day we got a call a week later, Carter was at this crisis respite house and they'd said, um, he could be there for, well, they said they gave us like a six week, you know, six weeks. And what I didn't realize is no, that's just your first six. Like he could stay there beyond that, but let's just, let's go with six weeks, give everybody a break, everybody a reset. Everybody can kind of just have some space and figure things out. So, um, you know, right away, I was like, my first instinct was like, no, I don't want him to go. But, you know, my husband's like, we have to remember why we're doing this. Like, I'm like, yeah. So, so we did, we went, um, or we had, we had to go meet, we met with the facility, the people. It was through the same place that he was in his mini respite. So they had already known Carter, which was great. Yeah. That's they already good. had all his information, but we wanted to visit the house and see what, you know, whatever met with people and get all your your um questions answered and so he moved in uh there a week later and um we would meet every and they brought him to school so he still had his routine of going to mac um we would visit him 
well, we would see him on Tuesdays at school because on Tuesdays we would have what was called family skills. We would meet with his his lead therapist and usually we would go out and do community skills, go grocery shopping, go to the mall, do things like that. So we would see him on Tuesdays and then usually on the weekend we would take him out, you know, to eat or go swimming or do something with him on the weekend. And um, we would meet every two weeks with all the staff and talk about how he was doing and if there's any issues and there weren't. And then when it came closer to that six weeks being up, um, it sounds bad, but like we weren't ready for him to come home. Like we just weren't ready. And they said, oh, it's no problem. He can stay. He's doing great. You guys need more time. You need more space, you know? So we extended it. And then at that point we talked to our social worker about, okay, I think we need to start looking for a group home. Thinking that this was going to take a long time to do. Um, and he, so he gave us some starting points, places to look, told us what kind of house we needed to look for. Cause there's all sorts of different, you know, types of group homes and what Carter needed and all that. And it was, but that basically you're on your own trying to find that, you know, it's like, are there plentiful options or are you like um, there? Well, even close by. So I, I started looking and, you know, you'd filter out like what kind of home we needed. And then like how, like you could, how far away do we want it and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And then there just wasn't a ton. Um, and I, I, and then I, I would, I searched out other places on my own. I just started Googling everything, right? Anything you could think of in the area and types of homes and wasn't finding much and kind of getting kind of defeated. Like how are we going to do, like how do people find these places, right? So then um, this is how it kind of fell into, fell into place for us or kind of fell in our lap. The manager of the crisis house where Carter was, was placing another boy that was in the crisis home at the place where Carter is now and she told us about it she's like I've never heard of this place and she goes but I think this would be a really good fit for Carter and I was we were like great you know so um my husband went out to to visit it because we weren't going to pursue it unless you know we yeah. kind of get some information first he went to um visit took some pictures, got a few, you know, questions answered and texted me right away. He's like, Carter needs to live here. Like he, this would be perfect for him. So, um, that was in early February of 2022. And, um, Carter moved in, in May, May 2nd of 2022. It's a 16 and uh, older so even though he wasn't until 18, until August, he could move in at 17. Took a little extra paperwork with the county because he was a minor, but um, yeah, not a big How deal. How many people live there in his home? So it's a complex, So, but it's not like, um, it, there's eight houses on a big piece of property. So he's in one house with, um, there's up to eight residents per house. So it's kind of like, yeah, they're big. He's kind of has, there's like a um, centralized living space, kitchen, dining room area, um, you know, like couches, TV mounted way up on the the wall. Yeah. Um, Smart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, a a 
they've got games, you know, all that kind of stuff in there. And then like, there's like almost like two separate sides of the house deck wings almost. He's down one um, side, own bed. he's got his own bedroom, really nice big bedroom and that we could furnish however we wanted to, you know, bring in your own stuff, make it his own. And, and they, um, like I said, it's on a big piece of property that have, um, outdoor swings and furniture and paved like trails and they've got bikes you can use they've got a separate administrative office that has um nursing there on site god it sounds um, amazing and it's <laughs> it's not like right on a lake but they have lake property so it's like you kind of have to go like down this hill down to the lake and they own a pontoon boat so they go they take the kids on boat rides and so i was just like I had never even heard of places like this. Yeah. And it's it's on the opposite side of town from where we live. But, and it's funny because when we started looking for a group home, I told my husband, I'm like, well, I want to stay within like a 30 minute drive. And I jokingly said, yeah, with our luck, it'll be on like, we live Southwest Minneapolis. He's Northeast St. Paul. So it's like Kitty Corner all the way across. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably where we'll find a place. And then guess what? That's where he is. But it's not that big a deal. It's like a 40 minute drive, 40, 45 minutes on a, you, know, you have to cut through the city. So going around just takes a little longer, but it's, it's, um, it's been a great place for him. So, and not, you know, and this is stuff I, so it's, he moved in and then I started learning all these things. Like they have goals. So like, because of the type of home he, he's in, he, they have to write up goals for these kids to do, you know, to work on life skills at home too so he's working right now he's working on um med man and med medication management which for him he can't do that but it's simple as him getting his water drink a cup of water for himself mm -hmm. and then taking his meds which he thankfully has always been really good at taking meds takes so he just pops them in Skylar too yeah yeah um communication um obviously is he's always working on that and they have found ways there was a few staff that don't know the protocol. They don't understand it. They've been able to learn, but they've also made picture schedules and they've been able to figure out those ways of helping with that. Um, money management, which he has a lot of, he needs most of that done for him too, but he has like a petty cash fund. They go on outings. He likes to go to the dollar store. Mm -hmm. um, they go to Walmart. They go out to eat. They do all sorts of outings like that. And he gets to, I always like to hear what he like bought at the dollar store and stuff like that. Um, but he'll like pay the, you know, give that money to the cashier and take his money. And then also the, the social skills, um, work, you know, doing things with his peers and activities and stuff like that. And um, he's doing amazing. Like, it sounds like he's thriving. Like this I'm is what like, he needed. This is what he needed. And mm -hmm. I think, um, his, like I said, he's always been an independent kid. He's always been stubborn. Like I can do it. I want to do it. I don't want to do this. I want to, you know, and he's being pushed, which he needs. Um, and just, you have, like, we have to remember too, like, they're just people too. And they're always different with their parents than they are mm -hmm. with other people. Yeah. So, he doesn't want to be pushed by you anymore. That's no. the one thing that I've had to learn from all these guests that I've had on that have, 
kids also in residential homes or group homes or different kinds of setups outside of their own home. Um, like you said, from the beginning, it, it's harder on us to let go because yes. I think we all know that we are really the best person to take care of them. We are yes. with our moms. We know exactly what they need, what every sound means, what every mo- motion means and all of that, but it's not fair to hold them back. So if they're right. capable of they're a lot of times they're capable of more because we don't let them do what they can do because we're babying them. I'm right. 100% guilty of that. Oh. I mean, I had a mom on that whose yeah. child was 18 in Florida. Her name's Michelle. And she, um, her son was not toilet trained. And theirs was more of a crisis emergency placement situation. But within months, she said, do you guys need more pull-ups? Do you need more stuff? They're like, no, he's toilet trained. She's like, what? Like, I mean, and I don't know if he just did it for them or they just wouldn't put up with, I mean, in a nice way, they're just like, no, we don't, we don't use those here. You're going to learn to use the the bathroom, whatever it takes. I'm like, maybe that's a great place for Skylar because I'm so frustrated with that piece of it. Yeah. So I don't know. I can imagine. I I do. I'm tired of us. (laughs) And he moved in with, and they have, you know, certain rules, like you know, they don't allow food in the bedrooms, which I can totally see with eight mm-hmm. residents. You don't want that at our house. He was allowed to have certain things in his room because he spent sometimes he went through this phase of, you know, just hanging out in his room, listening to his music and he'd have like some chips or something. But, um, and, but that's like from day one, moving in, these are the mm-hmm. rules. This is how we do this. This is what we're going to, you know, and he's done it and, and yeah, letting them, I think, I, that's one of the hardest parts too is like not micromanaging like trying not to like you want to give them as much information as they need about Carter like the main stuff but kind of having to have to figure different things out because maybe something will work different with them than it did with us mm-hmm. and he'll respond better and it's always it's also made Carter grow up a little bit he's had to advocate more for himself than he has at home because yeah we do anticipate everything every move like every look I knew something you know Mm -hmm. but sometimes we would just do stuff just to do it faster or get it done without giving him the time to do it or you know yeah well how how are you and your husband emotionally because like (laughs) I know it's one thing for me to say you know I, I see the benefit I really think that you know, Skylar, if a place would take him with his profound, you know, needs, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's nothing like Carter as far as independence in any way, but if a place was willing to take him, it might be best for my mental health, for his independence, for his growth, all the things I could tell myself that, but then the first, even the first night that he was at the other resident, the mini, um, mm-hmm. respite center or whatever, um, for a short stint, like, I don't know how I would overcome the guilt of like that, that yeah. I couldn't do it. So I had to pass him off to someone else to take care of it. And I know a lot of parents feel that way. They feel like they've given up yeah, and it's not that, but help oh, me. It's <laughs> I know. And I mean, I still, there are still days I feel guilty because especially in those early, early time, like the, when he was first in the crisis respite and he would, you know, I'm like, we would go out to a movie and I'm like, we can go to a movie. But the only reason we get to go to a movie is because he's in this respite. Um, but he was actually doing fine. But I think there's always going to be guilt. <laughs> it's just part of motherhood, mm-hmm. right? But I think when I've, um, 
I think just we can't it it take I if I think about it with my other kid my other child who's mm-hmm. a typical 16 year old <laughs> how much how much help we've needed just in raising him and relying on others with him well with Carter it's like we need even a bigger village with him and it was just me and my husband it, you can't mm-hmm. do it you can't you have mm-hmm. to take that help um and obviously Carter's safety is our my always my number one priority and but some of the other things I just had to let go like he I got it you got to take the help because I mean there's 13 staff that rotate through that house so there's 13 fresh people I mean there's people fresh people coming in all the time they he's got school where he's got another um you know several teachers and paras at his new school that are helping there you know there's so many people helping him mm-hmm. and how can I I can't do, do all that by that. yourself you yeah. did yeah we did because we had mm-hmm. to but mm-hmm. it wasn't good for any of us I mean my all of our mental health even my other son like he I can see the change in him you know since start Carter's moved out and just he's just a little more relaxed and a little you know not worried of what kind of mood is Carter going to be in today yep. when he gets home, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Their tone dictates the oh, house. Yes. And it, I mean, my daughter yes. and son are two years apart, just like yours. And, um, you know, I know Kendall has anxiety. I mean, part of her yeah. anxiety that she's medicated and th- has a therapist for is because of the environment that our home and mm-hmm. I've done everything I can to try to limit the eggshells that we walk on, but right. Skylar dictates everyone's mood in this house and yeah. um, it's, it's not fair, but it's just the way that it is. And she comes second and she always has, and that's, you know, guilt, mom guilt too. Uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, I just, um, I would think that watching him thrive and being happy when you visit and all of that, that, that it, it slowly helps, helps you. Yeah. And I realize think, that it's the best for both of you. You know, last year was so like I said, from, I mean, the whole year, it took us the whole year to get him settled. Cause even after he moved in early May, he wasn't going to start his new school till the fall. We didn't want him having four months of nothing. I mean, it, you know, of not having his ABA center because um, we knew what it was like when he didn't have it for, yeah. you know, three months over the shutdowns and stuff. And and so my husband and I, at that time, you know, we committed to driving him because there weren't any, you know, nobody's driving. There's nobody, I mean, through his medical assistance, he's, can, he's, a, he could get transportation, but there's nobody to, to hire or to, that wants to do that job. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, he was going four days a week. He had Wednesday, we kept him having Wednesdays off because we just five days a week of driving was going to be a lot. We're talking a 45 minute drive in the morning, you go pick him up another, you know, 30 minute drive out our way to bring him to school. And then usually one of us, like I did the afternoons, my husband did the mornings. And then, you know, like I got off work at three, I'd go pick him up at three 30 and drive him across, you know, back to his place. Back, And mm-hmm. I would get home to like six o'clock, six 30, you know, whatever on depending on the traffic in the day. And that was fine. I mean, in a way, in the beginning, it was nice because we connected with his staff on an almost daily basis and we were able to um, 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 see him and check in with him. And it was good to see him and all that. But that was a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And then 
getting him into the new school. That's more, um, you know, he technically was a graduate, you know, he would have finished his senior year last spring mm-hmm. and he would have, so he's in the transition, the 18 and up program right now. And, um, but he's in a different district then. So we didn't have an IEP. We had to get that new IEP. We had to do the meetings and visit and have him visit and it, all that. And then getting him into the new school, you know, making sure he's settled there. And then we had, we had a generic IEP to start. We just had his new IEP in December and then it was the holidays. So like all of last year was just mm-hmm. go, go, go. Still a too. lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Guardianship and all that stuff too. And so it's only been since like January that um, I've been able to, to just settle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just kind of now going through all the, the, the emotions and, um, I feel almost like I can't settle my brain right now. It still goes. And what do I need you after, after doing that for 18 years of in that go mode, mm-hmm. even as an infant, even before the diagnosis, they're babies, they need lots of attention. So like my body can't settle down yet. You yeah. Know? But yeah. I have, you know, and I, I've had day, bad days. I really miss them. I'm really sad. It's January. It's cold. It's dark. You know, weather's inhibited us for some, some for some visits. We couldn't go see him when we wanted to. Um, but also knowing we have to give him a little space too. And so it, we're still working on all that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's still going to be a while before I think we're fully settled into it all. Is his schooling um, similar to the autism center he was at? Do they transfer or do they drive him from his home to a school or is it so, a traditional school or? So this is traditional school through a okay. um, public school. So okay. it's the 18 and up program through the the public school that he's in he's actually the district that he lives in does not have a program so he's in the next district but the yeah so the district he lives in has to provide the transportation so it's like regular school transportation so they pick him up bring him to his new center um where they are working on um well the first couple of months they were just working on getting to know him seeing what he Mm -hmm. can do what he did what he doesn't like what he likes trying different things again, just blowing my mind with what he's doing. I mean, he was playing Uno. Like, he, <laughs> I'm like, oh, like an adaptive type. Like, oh no, he's playing Uno. And I'm like, we have tried. I can't get him to play anything or do mm-hmm. like, like just, th- I, I hear stuff all the time. Like Those are the moments that I, yes. I gotta believe make you like so happy for him yes. and for you guys. And because I mean, we just don't know what we don't know. And Right. holding them back inadvertently we don't mean to but I I know it's I don't know I don't know how I, this all worked out the way it is right now because the last I would say the hard years probably started in 2018 so like the last five years have just mm-hmm. been I I I wouldn't have imagined this is where we would be right now yeah and and how well not that, that it's working that's the hard part we about just, planning you you can't not plan like you said when he was yeah. you know 13 14 you were just kind of thinking about the future and you know options and things and I get it when people tell me like I just live in the present I don't want to worry about that but you kind of have to because I mean you know at that point when your kid is 13 14 right whether they're verbal whether they're you know what type of communication they are you know thriving in and or not 
you're going to have to figure stuff out because I don't know if it is his schooling till 22. Until he's 22. Yeah. yeah. And then he has a summer birthday. So he's actually, he gets like a full four years there, which is huge. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And so, um, is it, is it um, a nonprofit? Do you know, or is it state owned the place that he's in? The the group home? Yep. It's, it's actually um, run by the state. Yeah. So it's, well, oh. county, the county, um, the county that he's in runs it and it's overseen by the Minnesota Department of Health. Well, we may have to add Minnesota to our list of places to move so, to because well, <laughs> I just like, I'm like shocked that they have that much staff, that they must pay better well, than a lot the, of states. So the places. staff that, I don't know how it is at other places, um, I um, but the staff at his place are unionized. Oh, that makes a big difference. They, I didn't know they could they, do that. They have like this, because we learned like when we were getting information before you moved in, like yeah, their staff, like the average time of staff members been there has been like 10 years and they invest in their staff and stuff like that. So that was like one thing that That's was huge. like, because that was what fear I had such fear about group homes. You hear about them closing because they don't have staff or they or the staff turnover. don't show up or they, and people don't know all him. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. so yeah. And, and since then I've, researched other places in the state not like we're going to move him but just out of curiosity because I didn't know about these places to see like what other homes like this are around it even in this area it's like I feel like everything is so hidden it's so hard to get information it shouldn't be so hard to find it or get Mm -hmm. it or to understand it I know it's like people find it and then they're they're secreted so they don't lose their spot (laughs) they're like I don't want anyone to know about this (laughs) so he can live there I mean, he could live there definitely. Yeah, he could. Yeah, if he wanted to. Wow, so. that's so great. I'm just, yeah. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I'm happy for you guys. I know it's just not easy to make those decisions. Um, you did mention too, and I was going to ask you about um, SSI and like guardianship and stuff. Yep. So you mm-hmm. guys did go ahead with the guardianship. Um, we did process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, did, we did that, that too. It that was, was hard. Pretty, it was. You know what was hardest for me, like. I don't know. It's like, sometimes I just do things on autopilot. I'm like, okay, we got to do this. We'll just do it. Mm -hmm. We did it. And it was like, you know, the court hearing was a zoom, you know, no big deal, but it was that sense of like, I knew it wasn't going to be an issue, but like that somebody actually could say that I couldn't be his guardian, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like after all I've done for the past 18 years to get him here, like, and I knew that wasn't going to happen, but it was more like that. I don't know. For me, it was the the formality of um one them saying he's incapacitated and right. like just the judge's words. And I'm like, oh my god, like that's final to me that like they're deeming him incapable of ever right. caring for himself. It was just, I mean, I knew yeah. that, but I didn't need someone else to say it. But I think the hard part for me has been um any doctor appointment or anything that we went to after that. They were like, you know, they want, they immediately call the, you know, to do prescription refills. They call and ask for Skylar. And I'm like, well, this is his mom. And they're like, well, can we speak with him? And I'm like, actually, no, because he doesn't talk. (laughs) I have to explain to everybody that I'm his guardian and then they want proof. And I have to always carry the legal document Mm -hmm. with me in my purse. And it's like, if I hadn't done that, like I wouldn't be able to, to speak on his behalf. And and it's crazy because he can't speak on his behalf. But if I didn't take that necessary step, 
we'd be in a world of mess right now. And yep. um, I just, it, it stinks that, like you said, I've been as, I'm his mother that I had to formally go and be granted the opportunity to speak on his behalf for the rest of his life. They wouldn't right. just let me do that as his mom. As, I know that. I always thought that too. It's like, yeah, I have to, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I have to be and, that, and that's capable. another thing, but the, the group home too. I mean, like, yes, they take care of him physically and, and you know, emotionally I mean, stuff, but like, you still have a say in everything, you know, any kind of, if they need to, they wanted to change up some meds. I mean, they would call us first. We would discuss mm-hmm. things, you know, like, so you still have say over, you know, all of that, um, obviously as this guardian, but um, yeah, it's, it's still, That's... it's just like, it's the micromanaging kind of, I guess is still there. Cause you're still, mm-hmm. you know, like we still have to fill out this. We still have this yearly, you know, evaluations. We still have to, um, you know, I'm in touch with the school all the time, which is great. Like his, his main head, the teacher is just fantastic. And she, she texts me and sends videos and pictures all, you know, updating me all the time and stuff. So that's great. Yeah. So how do you communicate with him? I mean, do you guys see him on the weekend? Like anytime you want, you can go or. Yeah. Yeah. We can see him anytime. I mean, does um, does he zoom or does he not really? He doesn't really get it. He doesn't get it. Um, um, you know, like doing a FaceTime, it, it, he just like, I'll like, if my husband and I go, well, like take him out to lunch a lot or something right in the winter, there's not a lot to mm-hmm. do that he enjoys outside or anything. So, but we'll FaceTime Casey and it'll be just like a minute call, but they get to see each other and Carter will be able to just see him. He does his little, he's got this little hand flick. He does this, his wave says hi to Casey and kind of goes on with the whatever, but um, that's probably the hardest part is like, um, you know, eventually Casey will go off to college or move mm-hmm. out or whatever. I'm still going to have that communication with Casey and text him and call him and he can, he'll come home and, and all these kind of things with Carter, it's different. I don't have that. And so I'm only going by, you know, I can call the house. I mean, we've called the house, you know, say just to see, Oh, you know, how's he doing and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, his school is very good we just have to do it through those means, but we do, um, like I said, this time of year is hard. He's, he's got school during the week. Um, once spring summer comes, you know, we'll be able to do a lot more with him again and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So do they, again, do they uh, offer or, um, is it, I guess just depending on what each family wants to do, but can he come home and like, you know, in the summer, like you said, like stay yeah. a week with you guys or, yeah. I mean, I, some parents are like, their, their kids don't want to, like, they'll come for like a couple nights, but they want to go home. They, they're, yeah. that's their home. They don't really want to be at your house for very long. Cause they're missing out on whatever's happening back at their. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, yeah, you get, I, th- I think it was up to 72 days. 72 night or something like that they can be away from there oh wow which okay. is a long time because I'm like yeah. I don't think we'll be doing <laughs> that many days but just for <laughs> billing purposes you know things yeah. like that but um we haven't we had him at home over when he was in the respite we have not had him home overnight yet since he's moved in just because of all the changes that are going on with the new mm-hmm. school and settling in and, and we just didn't want to add another layer of is he going to said they know they know what's going on they know more but like just having them here and maybe 
he doesn't yeah like maybe he's not ready to be here mm-hmm. like I don't know but really I think it's we're not ready and that sounds yeah. horrible it's like of course no, we it want doesn't come home yeah but we're just it like I said we're working through 18 years yeah. of but he's changing that yeah. so he the guy that comes to your house won't be the same one who left right because he's more independent now so yeah. it could be like it's a learning curve for all of you guys right and how to manage that I would imagine yeah yeah. So it'll, it'll happen, but it'll mm-hmm. just, you know, well, I'm happy for you guys. Yeah. Can I ask one other question? And sure. if it's too invasive, um, but I just wonder if people are that are listening, want to know, um, in a lot of group homes that are state owned and things like that, is it, is it something that your SSI money goes towards, or do you have to pay out of pocket for a facility like that? Or does the state help? Because I think that's another huge concern of families, yeah. um, including ours. Like if we do find a place that's operated by a nonprofit and they usually pay staff better and it's just yeah. kind of run better sometimes that it's a lot of out-of-pocket, like anything beyond what his SSI would pay, we're on the hook for, which can add up so fast. Yeah, These places are very expensive. Very um, expensive. So how does that kind of so, work? Carter. Um, is on a waiver through the state, the developmental disability waiver. Okay. So right now that is what pays for that. The room and board um, pays for the housing, pays for the, all his meals. Um, other than, you know, things we bring in for him or whatever, but all his mm-hmm. meals are cooked for him. It covers like his care, um, laundry, you know, I mean, he actually does laundry. They, he has a laundry day, but he has to help do his own laundry. That's good. Um, and, um, but yeah, once we're still in the process of getting the social security, I'm still waiting on them. So, which, yeah, yeah that won't be, a, that's kind of the, the last big thing we have to get to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of that goes to the house, goes to his living and he'll get like a tiny bit amount every month to live on or for his mm-hmm. other parts. But that's why too, we did, we do have a trust set up for him because, yep. um, you know, his iPads need to be paid for eventually. Uh, um, you know, we bought him a brand new bed and everything, everything for his room. Cause he still has everything here at our house too. Um, you know, stuff like that, that, um, we don't mind paying for now, but eventually down the road, I don't want my Casey to be responsible for all those things, right. you know, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but, um, that the, the waiver and the social security are what pay for it. Yeah. So we don't have nice. any, that's really nice. Our state, yeah. it's just, I mean, everything's a mess, but the waiver that Scott, there's two different waivers. They took the developmental disabilities waiver, the autism waiver, and then, um, gosh, I can't even remember what the third one was. There were all of these separate waivers that Skyler was on, like many kids, um, when he was mm-hmm. diagnosed at three was put on all of them. And then because the wait lists were like 10 years for people to get these waivers, the state combined the three small waivers and made them family supports waiver or whatever it is, but the big, and so he gets 54 hours. Um, it's 53 now hours a month of respite or pack mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, then there's a huge waiver. That's the community. I can't even remember what it is waiver that people were grandfathered in when the other three were combined but Skylar was not because he wasn't on it. And um, that's the one that pays more for housing and things okay. like that. But the only way to get that waiver is your parent or caregiver has to be uh, 80 years old or older. 
Um, they have to be, you have to have deceased parents. And so you don't have um, caregivers or you have to be um, in addition to like an autism diagnosis or something, you have to have another medical ailment that requires you like weekly, you know, transfusions or hospital visits or medical need. That's the only way you can get that waiver currently. And we, there have been many families like our, I haven't done it personally, but they're in a similar situation to us with a severely nonverbal, you know, person who needs that waiver because they'll need housing in their future and all that right. stuff. They've gotten attorneys and they've sued and they, and it just, it's so much money that you have to spend to yep. fight getting the funds that you need. And it's almost like, why waste the money on attorney's fees? You might as well just pump it into the trust or whatever and just right. risk it. But um, it's, so I love hearing that there are places there like, are. you know, in your state and others. And that's why we just keep saying, we're going to just move. We're going to have to move because we I cannot mean, stay here. Yeah. I mean, our state does have, I mean, there are really good. I mean, we've never really had long waits. I know we're kind of, I know those with younger kids now are having more of that going on, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's, I know, like I keep telling myself, like we are in a really good state. This is where we have a lot here, even though it's still jumping hoops and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to find It'll it. Always and that all that. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you I know, this needs to be more streamlined or something, mm -hmm. but, and then, and then, um, also with the, the group home, I, um, um, you know, there's a, also this push to like these kids having like, are, are, should be able to live where they want to independently mm -hmm. in the, in the community in homes. That's great. And, and maybe some people, uh, some kids that's or adults, that's more their style. This congregated living is more Carter style and mm -hmm. I'm hoping they keep homes like this and they don't you know force these kind of these kids into smaller homes because not all I know our kids are all different and it seems like sometimes they just like focus have their focus on well this is what they you know we want to do and it's like but no that doesn't fit my kid you know mm -hmm. so like um there should always be moms on the planning committees for all right? these things. I know. Because, you know, so, we have the most input that I yeah. think, you know, would yeah. really help them. Well, but, um, I've learned more from other moms than anybody else in this journey, right? Me like, too. Everything. <laughs> we have to stick together. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I appreciate your candor and you've touched on a lot of things that I'm sure people may have questions and if it's okay, if they reach out to you via oh, yeah. your Facebook, I'll link yeah. it up. But yeah. um. Is there anything, I mean, you've mentioned a lot, um, but just throughout this journey and um, is there anything that you've learned about yourself or um, just your, just being a parent um, through just throughout all the experiences that you've had and, you know, maybe giving yourself grace. I don't know. Yeah. Just like anything at all that you would want to leave the listeners um, with. I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we are all stronger than we think we I mean we are we have to be you you're forced into that and you just do it um letting others help I guess I know where Carter gets his stubborn streak from it's from me <laughs> I've always been like I can do it I'll do it um but ha you know letting others help you you have to you have to you, you can't do it alone um I think um I, I, you know, I were, I'm a, I'm a type A personality. 
I'm, I'm that same, you know, like I like order. I like to know what's the planning. I like to, to what's going on and having Carter's kind of broke me of that. And I've been able to be a little more free and a little more like let the, don't sweat the small stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just enjoy some of um things like sometimes I would just be too wrapped up in um having to have things a certain way or something mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. um and just I think the biggest thing is it's just learning like it's not about me all the time it's Carter like f- making that switch to what I think he needs and what I want for him to I have to look at things from his point of view how is he feeling what's good for him versus what I want you know yeah that, I think that's the the that's biggest takeaway yeah. that I've gotten from you and a couple other moms too just recently talking on the phone to them and um they just said I just you just have to always say to yourself it's not about me it's yeah. not about me and it's so hard because you're not thinking that you're making it about yourself you're really thinking you're like that you're trying to make their life better and you're, you know, you'll do yeah. anything for your kids. Anybody would, but, um, we're, we're hindering them. Right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not intentional, but we are. And you, you definitely have to have a plan. You have to have mm-hmm. goals and, but you have to be able to, to pivot and change as things happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Try it. Divine intervention too. Right? I think that oh, that home oh. was like, eternally it was. sent to it was. from above it was yes. definitely and and you know and the thing is like leading up to that too like every night like during those hard 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 nights every night I'd go to bed almost in tears and I would just pray for like guide me help me find the help that we need I don't know like I would just pray every night you know like and it, sometimes it just I just had to wait it came I just had to wait you know and it came on his timing, not yours. Exactly. <laughs> that's, the, right? that's my biggest hang up in life. Yep. I want everything when I, I want, want it. it. <laughs> that's that type A in me too. And I'm yep. like, and he gave it to you when you weren't ready, but it actually was the best, it was the, the best, best possible scenario ever. So um, everything, everything. Thank you so much, so Gina. Sure, I, I can't this wait to fun. follow more of the journey now that you guys are kind of settled. Yeah. is crazy. Um, I love all of your updates and your posts about Carter and his home and I want to see all the videos and stuff. So thanks for being so so open. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.